Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Well, we're glad you're here. Uh, we're going to start a new series this morning, and uh, we're looking at Family 101. So uh, God can transform your family. You know, the Bible... The Bible offers us uh, a quite a bit of understanding uh, about the family and, and how the family can be nurtured, how it can be developed. And our cult, in our culture, we often lose sight of the priority of maintaining our families in a, really in a right way, uh, just part of our culture. And we get so focused on other things that, uh, that are around us, we don't always take care of our relationships the way that we need to. And we always have to be able to step back and, and try to help ourselves and uh, so that we, we get these things corrected. And in our Family 101 series, we're, we identify some issues that today's families face and, and offer some uh, attainable solutions from the Scripture to be able to help us uh, to walk out our faith in our families and to have effective lives. We, we may not be able to correct everything at once, Right. Uh, and, you know, it's, uh, it's just one of those things. We, we can't do it all at once, it seems like. But something we can do is to make the choice that, that will change the atmosphere of our homes. And, and this choice is to change the atmosphere. It will really help us to map a path towards a thriving family. So we have to understand, you know, no matter if you're single or you are married, uh, and so one way or the other, we all have family one way or the other. And so we all have different uh, family dynamics. Uh, so our families are made up of individuals who have grown and learned how to live in out their own family culture, in their own family culture. Uh, but uh, sometimes uh, some family members have grown up in more than one culture, and we understand that, and so that, that uh, causes us to, to work through some things. A great thing for each of us have the opportunity to see some positive change in our lives and in our families as we engage those principles that God teaches in His Word, and those are important to us. And so we need to let God's word change how we live as persons, as individuals, right? And so then as we allow that change to happen, it can allow him to help us relate to others in our own families. And God can transform the family. So you may think transform is too big of a word. I don't know. You may say there's some other word you could use other than transform for, for uh, changing. Uh, but, but every little thing that we can see happen in our lives as individuals and as a family can have a, a good effect on us and, and have some uh, transformation in us. Remember, we're called to live by godly principles. Not only what some may call the, the rule of Scripture or the uh, rule of law, so to speak. That, that's not what it's about. What I mean, we don't, we don't always understand that. And uh, so we, uh, but sometimes people will try to live by the letter of the law and not the spirit of what God is saying. We have to be able to grab a hold of what the Spirit of God, so what the spirit of, of God is saying to us, right? Uh, and try to help understand Jesus... In his time, he had many opportunities, many opportunities to deal with people and trying situations. And uh, he dealt with individuals, he dealt with family stories. And one time he is at the temple, 
uh, over in John 8, uh, that's not our main text, but uh, he's at the temple, he's sitting there, he's getting ready to teach. And so some angry guys come along and say, hey, we just, we just caught this woman in adultery, uh, and here she is. And really, their intent wasn't really to deal with the issue as much as it was to try to trap Jesus. And so they come along there, they're pretty angry about this, and uh, they knew what the Old Testament law said. Old Testament law said, well, she's to be stoned. Jesus knew it. They knew it. They all understood what the old, the, what the old law said. And they, they, uh, they expected that that's what, probably what he would do, but they didn't know, And right? Because they're trying to trap him. And uh, the other person should have been there too, right? Where, what happened to the guy in that? It could have been that maybe the guy slipped away uh, or maybe some of those leaders that brought this lady in, may, maybe they just gave him the nod of the head and said, good old boys will be boys, you know, whatever. But uh, that's not right. That's unethical. And so we, we see this situation here, and Jesus writes on the ground, and maybe he listed some of the sins. We don't know, really. It doesn't say in Scripture, but talk about pressure. And, and every accuser left the scene. They, they knew they sinned, whether it was something like it had happened in this scenario or whether it was something else. It really didn't matter uh, but Jesus didn't leave her there. He didn't just let her off the hook either. Sometimes we don't get that. He didn't let her off the hook because she wasn't going to be punished. We know that. And that's significant. That's grace, right? But Jesus told her, go and sin no more. So he basically extended grace to her and he told her to change her lifestyle and so he did challenge her, uh, but and so everybody's kind of, I'm sure they're surprised at this point, but see, we can, we can be so demanding of others and expect them to do what they should be doing that we kind of forget about ourselves and don't necessarily want to correct our own self, right? Isn't that common when we look at somebody else? It's like we say, man, you got lipstick on your face, man. And the reality is you got lipstick on your face too, right? So there, there's, a, there's a thing there that we have to recognize. We have to look at our own selves and our own hearts and our own lives as well. We need to learn to be able to extend grace to others, especially when they're in our family, right? Especially when they're our family. Why? Why is that the case? It's, it's really because we tend to take, uh, we kind of take our family for granted. We just do that. Why? Because we expect that they're going to do this or we expect they're going to do that. It's just kind of what happens. And so let's look at this first principle this morning as, as we jump into this. The first principle is family was God's idea and he cares about family. That's the most basic of it, right? We know that. Uh, and the family is important to God. Family was the greatest part of his creation. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the scripture says this. So the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So it started here at the most basic form, and, and God created Adam and decided he didn't want to leave this man all by himself with maple trees and kangaroos. 
So, you know, I know a maple is a great tree. We have a lot of them, right? And they have some beautiful leaves that are falling, which we have to scoop up like it did yesterday. And you just have those things. and uh, They're great and all that. But, but I'm sure, you know, the thing about a maple tree, if you're running into challenges in your life, you can't really go up to the maple tree and say, hey, maple. You know, this is what's happening. And they're not going to respond to you, I guarantee you, unless they're blowing in the wind or something. But they're, but it's, they're just not going to talk to you. What about kangaroos? Say, imagine you're, you're, you're bored or you're, you're having problems. And you're saying, Mr. Kangaroo, I need to figure out what to do here. Probably he's going to get tired of you. And he's probably going to get his feet. And he's probably going to stand on his tail and bounce you in the face and get out of there. And, and so... So God wanted to put something tangible into someone's life that could interact with them at an appropriate level. Look at verse 15. It says that God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Maybe Adam wasn't all that good at gardening, so he needed somebody else to be able to help him. I don't know. But we find in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, these words. It says, Then the Lord God made woman... From the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought, he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she, has taken, uh, she was taken out of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, we could talk about that for a while, right? Uh, and, and so the, the man leaving mom and dad and taking his wife and to start this new, uh, this new nuclear family, and, uh, but they, they become one flesh. And so we see here at the very beginning, God created man and woman, period. There were no other biblical alternatives from what the scripture teaches. This was not. Was not then. It's not now. Although there are all kinds of things that are happening in our world. Doesn't make it right. That has happened for thousands and thousands of years. Doesn't make it right. See, God cared enough that he wanted Adam to have someone besides all these animals and plants. He wanted to build a family and he wanted the family to, to care about family. And this is a part of God's design from the beginning. It's, it's a principle we should never forget. We all face challenges in families, right? If you're a family member, and we all are to some level, we know that there are challenges in families. Uh, it's just a reality. And it didn't take long before the first man and wife uh, get together and make a major life-changing, life-altering mistake, which has affected us, and it's called sin. And it's not too long after that, the next generation uh, takes the life, one takes the life of another. And so we see these, it didn't take long for things to get messed up, but it wasn't God's design for Adam and Eve. Uh, it wasn't his design for them to sin, but with his foreknowledge, he knew that it would happen. And, but, but love cares enough to take that kind of chance. Because it is chance, a chancy to bring someone into the world, right? And some would say even today, I don't know if I could bring kids into the world today. Well, God took the chance and he knew what the end result was. 
He had foreknowledge. He knew what was going to take place, but he took the chance anyway. God, God would have known that once the family was formed, problems are going to come up to the surface. And there was, there's not a person who could honestly say that being part of a family is easy or without problems, right? If, if anyone does, then you probably have another problem, and that's called <clears throat> lying. It's a reality. So, so you have a couple steamships. One's uh, they're 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 running down the river. This is before my time, and and maybe before yours too. They're running from Memphis, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna run towards New Orleans. And one one crew challenged the other crew. So what do they do? They they're they're running on the river. They're pushing hard, and the one crew starts running out of coal because that's what they were burning. And they, they looked around and they decided, hey, because they're really having to roll hard. And so they looked and they saw some of their uh, cargo, and it was wood. And so they broke up some of the cargo and they started throwing it in and building the heat and building that steam up so that they could try to win the race. And so by the time they made it to New Orleans, they had burned up all their cargo. Not necessarily a positive thing. Could you imagine if FedEx did that to your packages that you got from Amazon? I mean, we would be a little upset, right? And maybe you got some of those packages that have been damaged a little bit, but burned up, you know, that, that wouldn't be good. God has entrusted family to us. And for you and I, we, we need to do our part to see that this, that this precious cargo reaches its destination. I know every person has a will and a desire for themselves, including young people as well. But we want to do our best to guide them down the path that God has for them. And when other things take priority over our family, it often, the family often suffers. How many people don't reach the right destination because they don't necessarily follow God's plan? Well, we've all made mistakes in that, right? That's a reality. We've all made mistakes in that area because we're human like Adam and Eve, unfortunately. And then we have to be able to step back we have to be able to ask the Lord, hey, how do we work this out? How do we move forward from here and make things right? That, that's just a reality. But just because being part of a family comes with challenges doesn't mean that we can't make changes. And changes that, that we make can have long-term benefits. They can benefit us as individuals. They can benefit our families and then their families' families as the Lord tarries. See, God created and cares about every family and every family member. And we have to recognize that he cares about our family and we should care about our family. It's important. God created and cares about every family. It doesn't matter if that family is a traditional family, if the family is a blended family or maybe a restored family. Uh, and there's a, let's look at the second principle here. One is honor, honor and respect your spouse. Now, if you aren't, if you aren't married, uh, learn how to honor and respect others around you as well. So we can relate these principles to, to other things as well. But before we look at the next passage, there's something that we, we need to consider here. First, the status of wives and women in Paul's uh, time was very low. 
We understand that. It was a very at a low time for them. And, and actually what the Apostle Paul is doing is he is actually raising women's value up in the eyes of the first century. He's actually raising up how they should be seen in that first century world. The problem for most people today uh, is that when they read the Apostle Paul's writing, they think he actually treated women poorly. But according to his day, he was treating them much better than what they had been treated. And Paul actually treated women better in that culture. And so women tended to be considered property at times in different cultures back then. But God was increasing their honor, and he's saying, no. Now let's look at Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to break into. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 to 33. Uh, but, but here this morning, we need to understand a key point that the Apostle Paul is making uh, for the husband and wife, and really it comes down to verse 33. So I'm actually going to start a little backwards here with verse 33. So verse 33 says there in Ephesians 5, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That is a very strong statement. Love the wife as you love yourself, and then for the wife to respect her husband. Love and respect, they are key, they are key elements of a marriage. And if you're married or you want to marry, these are some of the dynamics that you have to get right and that you have to work on, right? It's important that each person works on these things, and it, it, sometimes it can take a while. Ephesians chapter 5 Let's look at verse 21 there. It says, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. Now let's move on. And then he writes, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, some may complain that I started with verse 21 there. You may say, well, wait a second. That looks like it's like the paragraph before. Well, if you notice, it's kind of, depending on the translation of the Bible, it's kind of set off by itself. And uh, because uh, it, it's the conclusion of that last one, the start of a new one. While you've got to remember, there's a Greek thing going on here. So grammatically, it, it may be attached to verse 20 there in the original language, and it, its content corresponds more naturally with what follows after that, which is in the following verses. So the wife on her part is to give her husband the respect that is due him and the Lord. And in verse 21, it made it plain, this respect is conditioned by reverence for Christ. So, but a marriage can never be one-sided. Is that true? It can never be one-sided. It just does not function that way. Reverence and respect have that same Greek word. They have that same Greek root word, the same one. And Paul goes on to say this here in verse 25 in chapter uh, 5. He says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, Cleaning, uh, cleansing her by the 
by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And no, we know he's comparing that relationship, husband and wife, with the, with the Lord and the church. And then the next verse says, In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are, we are members of his body." So I know there seems to be, that seems to be a little heavy there because how he's relating it uh, to Christ and the church and back and forth and the relationship with man and wife. Uh, but let's focus on the husband and wife there in this situation. Paul turns to the husband's responsibilities. That's interesting. It's very interesting for us. We're like, what? No, but it, it is interesting because in the Greco-Roman world, things were viewed a little bit different. And, that, and that's who he's writing to here, right? He's writing to the, it's the book of Ephesians in Ephesus in the Greco-Roman world. And, uh, and he's, uh, they recognized that wives had obligations to their husbands. That's what their understanding was. But they didn't see the man having responsibilities to the wife. Now let that soak in, sink in for just a little bit. Now, I'm, not, I'm saying the secular society, the Greco-Roman world. I'm not saying Christianity. Actually, Christianity, what introduced really a revolutionary approach to marriage that equalized the rights of women and husbands and established the institution on a much firmer foundation than ever before. So it kind of balanced out that relationship. Now, I know there's some other things happening there, too, and I'm not going to get into the other th stuff, but one word uh, summed up the role of the wife, which was submit in verse 22, and she is to respect uh, the husband. And one word does the same for the husband, love. Uh, it's agapate, uh, which is, comes from the Greek word uh, agape, you would say. Or, uh, uh, so it's that, it's that highest and distinctively Christian word for loving. It's significant there. It's the kind of love Jesus had for us. A giving love, right? Of giving all of himself for us. He gave his very life for us. In verse 33, Paul says, However, each one of you must, all, must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect, for, respect her husband. Uh, the wife, for her part, is to give her husband the respect. It's that same uh, Greek word, basically, that, that is due him in the Lord. And as verse 21 is made plain, this kind of respect is conditioned by uh, and expressive of reverence for Christ. So it's also assumed that the husband will, also, will uh, so love his wife as to be worthy of of this kind of respect. 
So in some sense, Yahweh does earn that in some sense, right? I know we talk about earning respect, but there, there's an element of that too, though, uh, that, that, is, uh, that is seen there that's very appropriate to have the respect of the husband. But these, these are some significant things. So those who are puzzled because Paul does not tell wives that they are to love their husbands fail to appreciate the precision of how he writes this. Because he's dealing with a specific situation. They're in a different culture and he's trying to help them. And he's raising up the ladies of the day, the women of the day, to try to help people understand because they did not have a very good view of them at that point. Uh, some cultures did, but not all of them. And so, so then we see that uh, for that the uh, the analogy is handled here, and Christ loves the church, and the church's love for Christ is expressed in submission uh, and working together. So, love and respect are key. But let's consider this when it comes to healthy and true submission. To demand submission is not showing love, right? That, that's not showing love. That, that's incorrect. That's, that's a, it's a, not the way to handle things. And uh, so it's not showing love. The Apostle Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. And he's saying, take on the idea of how Jesus handled things, right? And this is really, in some sense, the definition of love. He says, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, uh, but each of you to the interest of others. And that can go in a family relationship. That can go uh, between spouses. This, this passage can bring healing in a family. And we know that these, these, kind of, these kind of principles, these kind of ideas can relate to how we relate to others in the world that we live in, too. And as we interact with one another and the body of Christ. Now, here's a, another principle for us. A third one is to have a solid, healthy family, you need God at the top. And that's one of those things we need. In any kind of relationship, whether it's a husband and wife, whether it's a, a co-worker relationship, and those kind of things. Now, I know it gets sticky when you have somebody that's outside of the faith, but we as an individual, we always need to have, or us as individuals, we always need to have God at the top. Uh, usually when I sit down and talk to couples uh, that are in, with intentions of marriage, uh, one of the things that I usually talk about is to consider that triangle. And that the triangle really has to do with uh, uh, one of uh, the wife being here and the husband being here at the base of that triangle and then God being up here at the peak. So there's three points, right? So if any one of those relationships are broken, then we know that the marriage isn't going to be real strong. So anytime a, a man breaks his relationship with God, it's going to affect his relationship with his wife. And any time a woman breaks her relationship with God, it's going to break that relationship with her husband. That's a reality. I've seen it happen many times. And the sad thing is, is that happens. But the hope is, is that can be mended. 
And people need to be able to recognize that, that triangle. Anytime, sometimes people think, well, it's, uh, I, I, it's about me, so I can do this. But here's the thing. My wife and I have a great relationship. Are we perfect? No, absolutely, because you see me here. But if I sinned against her, that really is a small thing in some sense. It's not. Don't misunderstand me. But if my, if my sin is against God, that's also against her, and that's a serious thing. And a lot of times, and I may not be saying this perfectly, but the thing is this. If I sin against God, if I found somebody else and chose to get wild and do something like that, that's a horrible thing. See, that, for, that sin is not directly at her at first of all. That sin is directly against God. And see, I think people, because they've downplayed this so much in our culture and in our world, and it's, it's not just in America, that they have thought that, well, you know, then we can work that out and stuff and all that. And you can, you can work through those things and there can be restoration and all that and there should be. But, the, but what's happening is you're breaking your relationship with God. That is number one. And sometimes people think it's just about the couple. It's not as much about this, you know. The reality is it's number one about God and number two about that relationship. When we mess that up between us and him, we will mess up the relationship. But when we get this right between us and him, then this relationship can start mending and we can start working through those things. This is number one. Number one. If we don't have that, we don't have a lot. So usually, uh, you know, I, I will talk to couples about that and talk about that triangle, and that is a, that's an important thing. So uh, Psalm chapter 127, verse 1 says this, Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. See, the same principle goes along with the family as well. If God is not at the top of our marriage or at the top of our relationships with our kids or our family and those kind of things, one of those lines of communication are broken, then we can't become the family God calls us to be. Now, we know none of us are perfect. We are still striving for perfection or maturity in our walk and our faith. And so, but we have to make sure that if we see that that, that line is starting to break or is, is, is wavering or bending, then we need to get that right. Get those things right. Make sure that you have that right so that you can have a good family relationship. One way to keep God at the top is to pray for, pray with, and pray over your family. We have to be able to pray for one another. We have to be able to pray for our families. And I know some of you talk to me. You, you pray for family members. They, they need the Lord. Or you pray for situations. And, and, and that's so important. We have to be able to do that. You, you may not have a spouse who is following Jesus yet. Pray for them. Pray for your kids and for their education, for their relationships and their activities. Pray for your adult kids if you're 
an empty nester or you're part way there. Keep God at the top of your family. Pray for your grandkids. Pray for all these. And may, maybe you don't have those direct relationships, but maybe you have a godson or a goddaughter, or maybe you have some uh, nieces or nephews or you, others that you relate to like that. And, and it's important to lift them up. A couple who keeps God at the top of top includes keeping love and respect in the forefront. Those are important. Amen, Mr. Motorcycle. <laughs> you, you may not be married yet, nor are you looking to be. But you likely have those family connections with others. You, you may have a tribe, so to speak. Make sure that you keep your relations right and God-honoring. God-honoring relationships are important. Finally, we have, this four, we have this fourth principle here. Be intentional with your family. Now, like I said, not, we're not all perfect, right? I, I know for us as, as, as pastors, for Jody and I, sometimes we're running every which direction. You know, she's, she works full-time, and, and, of course, I'm pastoring full-time, and, and so uh, families works, and sometimes we have to just stop and say, what are we doing tomorrow? And so, right? It's true. I think we had this conversation. So what are we going to do? Okay, this. Sometimes you just have to stop and recollect your frame of thought and your interaction so that you can say, hey, let's stay on the same page. And maybe it's with your adult kids, too. That's one of ours, too. We have, not only do we have somebody at home, we have somebody out of the home. And, and so it's like trying to keep up with all that, right? It's just part of life. We have to stay on the same page the best that we can. Be intentional with your family. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7 says this. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, he's saying in, in everyday life, uh, when you have these little opportunities and you're going about doing your business, try to interact about these things. Let the things of God come out and, and speak about those things and engage one another and try to, try to understand one another on those things. And, Sometimes it's just living life in the regular course of your day that you can have an impact on your family, right? Impress God's word, his principles on your kids. Talk about how they play out in life. Do your best with that. Uh, uh, the fact is, is we, we, uh, we relate to our families for good or bad, right? That's the truth. We relate to them good or bad because what? The problem is, is we are imperfect people. We are. It's not them. It's not the other spouse, right? If I, you know, it's like the old saying when we were kids, you know, you, yeah, you're pointing at one, they got four more pointing back at you, you know? And so I could, if I say it's all Jody, that's wrong. It's Mike too, right? Right? Oh, Jody, you said amen or something on that. <laughs> when we impress God's word to our kids, we need to do our best to live out those principles in front of them. We need to live those principles out. The last thing we need to be is to be someone who says one thing and then does another. Kids are smart, and they pick that stuff up. 
And some may say, I don't know that they really caught that, or I don't know that they catch that. I bet they catch it more than you know. And then remember, if they're in school, whether it's, whether it's a Christian school or whether it's in a, just a local school, uh, they're still going to hear more there too, right? It's just a reality. Kids know. They, they pick things up. Be, be intentional. The time you give them, the way you pray for them, the way you discipline, and, and the focus you give them, fi- find a way to intentionally care for your family. And that may be to do something small and simple like picking uh, wildflowers with your kids, if that's what you do. I don't know. Or celebrating with them on how great it is that God created this beauty as, you know, you walk through that. But it may be as big as having a family getaway, if you can afford that. Get, Get away for a bit and say, hey, let's do this together. As we wrap this up, the choice to change the atmosphere of our family will help us to to really map a path towards a thriving family. We need to be willing to map that out in our lives. The way we do it first is by recognizing that God created the family, right? He created a family, and uh, the way we do that, the way we understand is, secondly, is that if you're married, then you, you must have honor and respect for your spouse, and then you need to keep God at the top to see the best in your family's life. And finally, be intentional with your family. Train up your kids to go the right direction through faith. We understand. At some point, kids get old enough that they're having to make choices on their own, and they have to make their own choices. They do have to do that. But you want to invest in their lives in such a way so that when they make the choices, they can make good, solid choices, and at least try to guide them as you're able to, to help them to see the options there. So here's the, here's the question as we wrap it up this morning. How are you going to respond? My challenge for you today is to ask God to help you to apply these principles in your personal life and in your family. How, how do we apply these things? How, how do you put them to practice? He, he can transform and He can change the atmosphere of your family. I'm not sure where you're at tonight or this morning. (laughs) Your family may be going well. It may be going good. But the reality is we all have uh, the opportunity to grow better, to to have our family be stronger, to be more healthy. Let's ask God to help today. Let me pray for you. Father, we look to you this morning because we all recognize that we have that old nature to some level. And Father God, we need your help to be able to see our family become who you want our family to be. Father, I pray that you would help each and every person here, whether they're online with us or whether they're here in person. Father, I pray that you would help each one to take steps to move forward, to grow in grace and to grow in a good, solid, healthy relationships, Lord. Father, for some, it may be stepping out in faith and saying, Jesus, I need you to lead my life. I need you to be the Lord of my life. 
and I'm going to relinquish all of my all of my responsibility, all of what I have, all of my authority and give it to you so that you can help me to be the person you've called me to be. That may be you today and you can just pray that and say, God, here I'm turning everything over to you because I want to be the better person that I need to be. Father, we depend on you and we look to you today. You're our heavenly father. You know what it's like to be a dad. You know very well what it's like to be a dad to deal with broken kids because we're your kids. Father, thank you because you can help us to apply this today. In Jesus' name.